Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. BSWUSA.com has done it yet again, gang. Hey, it's Jason, and today I want to introduce the new sound with this Shure SM7B microphone I just got from my friend Jamie at bswusa.com. It is an industry leader. It's been around for decades. And you know what? It adds accent to what I already have with my great MXL BCD1 mics in this Rodecaster Pro. So guys, again, as I told you, I started this with a mic and an app, and here I am a year and a half later adding some awesome new sound to the show. So this is what you can do if you want to do the same. Go check out bswusa.com and talk to my friend Jamie Singer about getting into a Rodecaster Pro or one of the Zoom boards. There are plenty of options and combos out there where you can get mics and a board at a price you can afford. Again, go check out my friends at bswusa.com. The K-Man Radio Show is proudly sponsored by some great firefighter-owned businesses. And we're going to shamelessly plug them here for a second, starting with axecaps.com. If you're looking to get into some great firefighter-made apparel, what about custom apparel from hats to shirts? What about the Can-Man apparel line? Go check out axecaps.com today. And Ian Sargent from sgtfirebags.com. If you're looking to get into a clean radio strap, what about a gear bag that protects you from the carcinogens that we're exposed to on a daily basis? Well, go check out SGT Firebags today and use CanMan for 10% off. And my brother, Herb Tyler from National Rescue Consultants, that's NRC.com. If you're looking to upgrade your education in the USAR world, Go check out my brother, Herb Tyler, at National Rescue Consultants. That's nrc.com. Get off your ass, canners, and get ready for some extreme tabletop exercises. It's time for the Can Man Radio Show. And now your fearless leader, the senior canner himself, Jason Liska. It's been an amazing week here in the great north of Central Florida. Pump Ops. I love teaching that class. It's it's an amazing class to teach. It's fun. And even as a Lou, when you get to drive the truck and enjoy that opportunity here and there, take advantage of it because you kind of remember, uh, reminds you where you came from. And talking this evening, that is, to a brother, and, and I'm sure you know his handle on Instagram and all the other great social media platforms, and you might see it. It says SUAT, S-U-A-T, 
But what it really means is shut up and train. And that's Brother Ron Givens here with us this evening. So, Brother Givens, welcome to the show. What's going on? Thank you very much. Oh, man, it is a pleasure. An absolute oh, pleasure, pleasure to have. The pleasure is all mine to be on here. Thank you very much for the invite. So I feel like we're we're take three at this point because we had planned this out, and uh, and then we had the unfortunate incident with Binky in the hand, and that that kind of screwed the evening up because well, it didn't screw the evening up. It was just like well, we got to take care of Binky priority, and then the next step was well, when do we do this? We got to get together again. So we finally were able to plan this out. It just so happens it's a Friday night and we're two guys on the move and uh, we both have kids at the home and no wives with us. So why not make the most of this and make a podcast? Yeah, let's do it. So brother Ron, you know, we met, even though I've been following uh, Shut Up and Train for quite some time and Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, for sure. Um, Facebook, definitely. And what else are you on? Tell me about the other platforms you're on real quick before I forget. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm a little bit of a uh, social media whore over the past years. <laughs> yes. I was, uh, I started out my, <laughs> I started out in 13, 2013 with my best buddy in uh, New Jersey. I started with, uh, we started SWAT together. Okay. And, train. and then, uh, and then I joined station pride. I became their editor for a little while okay. and Leatherhead mafia. And uh, now Build Your Culture. I'm with Sean Duffy and Pablo. Hell yeah, you are. Kristen Tartaglia with Build Your Culture. Um, Station Pride and Leatherhead kind of simmered out. They changed hands a couple times. So, yeah, you know, between work and and doing my own thing, I, I kind of let those go. But uh, Build Your Culture, Shut Up and Train. And then uh, with Kristen Tartaglia and, and Joey DeVito, we do tick tips. Oh, so yeah. Thermal imaging stuff with them. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, you know. But uh, mainly with Shut Up and Train, we got our website, SWATFire.com. Uh, Instagram is Shut Up. Uh, uh, what is it? Shut Up and Train Fire. Yep. And then uh, our Facebook page. Yeah, it's pretty much everything, you know? I mean, really anything right now. It, it pretty much, and you got to add a TikTok eventually. Sarah keeps telling me, hey, you need a TikTok. You need the TikTok. I'm like, I'm not good at the TikTok. I'm the voice yeah. behind the microphone. You don't want me in front of the camera. I got a face for radio, I've always been told. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm not a girl. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't yeah, do dances. I have nothing to shake. Yeah, I have nothing to look at. So I mean, <laughs> I, I, what do you want me to do? Put corny music up and and do it in yeah. bunker gear? I'm not that kind of guy. Unless you're paying no, me, I mean, and that's a different story. Hey, I mean, maybe that's the next OnlyFans. Well, bunker gear. Twenty bucks is twenty bucks. They say. You know, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. put it out there. Sure. But you know, we met in Georgia, uh, really for the first time. But I, I know that uh, Shut Up and Train has uh, been following the Can Man for some time as well. Um, I've seen you pop up and like posts every now and then on Instagram and Facebook. And then I finally meet you at Bearers of the Oath uh, 2021 this past uh, February. No, March. March. My goodness March, gracious. Yeah. And yeah, that, was um, the, uh, that was the triple threat. The, the three conferences in three weeks. I know. You that went the from. the most I've ever done. It was crazy. Yeah, you went everywhere from Florida to Georgia, didn't you? Yeah, we had Orlando Fire Conference in the last weekend of February. Yeah. And then the very next weekend was. Uh, uh, the North Florida Fire Expo up in Fort Walton Beach, yep. Florida. Nick Prepard's uh, bag right and there. Nick, yep. My boy Nick, he's a good dude. Hell good yeah, conference. he is. This was the second year of that conference. We've been to both both years uh, previous, and uh, it's just getting better and better. This next year looks like it's going to be really good too. And then we uh, went yeah. to Bears of the Oath with uh, the Build Your Culture cadre. Oh, I love the Build a Culture cadre. 
Um, just being able to spend time with you guys. And my, again, my only regret is that I was a cheap bastard and didn't throw gear in a freaking uh, well, fuck that throw gear in a fucking bag and put it on the airplane and pay the 50 bucks and, and bring it with me. And I won't make that mistake next time. Cause I'm like, I tell you what, thank, thank, just thank everybody that you took an airplane because that was an incredible, like Nine, 10 hour, 11 hour drive from oh. where I'm at down here in Southwest Florida. Oh God. Yeah. You and Herbie and Timmy and Rob and all those guys. And don't forget about Basil. I mean, you, you guys Basil, had yeah, a Buffy. long drive. Oh, Sean to Venice. Oh yeah. Before yeah. the big move to the, to the big hand state, you know, the high yeah. state. <laughs> it's yeah. like, where are you at? He's I'm going to snow again. I, it's like, <laughs> why would you torture yourself like that? You went from the beach life to the snow life and now yeah. you've got to shovel your driveway for six months out of the year and start your car 30 minutes early to an hour depending on how cold it is but i i mean i give him all the credit in the world that guy's been been through more departments and i think i've been through pairs of socks but you know what he's a family man number one amen absolutely number one amen if, it's, if, it, if it has to do with his family it's you got to move any of us have to do that our yep. careers aren't we're, are not going to be here in 30 years. Nope. We're going to be hopefully knock on wood retired and enjoying the retirement life, but your family will be there till the day you die. You know, and it's great. The theme, the the conversation about family has come up in the last three podcasts, you know, with Pablo, Sean and Nick and Anthony got in there on the first round. And then we had uh, myself and brother Basil, which was pre-planned mm -hmm. on that one. And now this one, we all talked about the importance of family. And, and I think if we're going to go into a three pack in this conversation, it needs to be emphasized yet again. We're going to beat this into everyone's head. Your your career doesn't come before your family family. Okay. Your family is what gives you the opportunity to succeed at your career. They stand by you. They support you. They sacrifice for you. They understand you're missing birthdays and you're missing anniversaries and holidays. And yet they don't fucking complain because they love you and they appreciate what you do. So appreciate them just a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, I, I wasn't able to fully appreciate everything my wife does for me and, and for our family until I started going out on the road and going to conferences. Oh yeah. And for her to allow me to do that. I mean, I, I, I can't thank her enough for that because that's huge. Just being able to get on, on the road and, and meet brothers like you and go, go out there and enjoy what I do and, and enjoy the fire service and the, the camaraderie. But you know what, no matter how many times I go out on the road, I always miss home. Oh, God. I always miss my kids, my wife. Yep. And the, but the moment I get home and I can hug everybody makes it 10 times worth it. You know, and, and not just that, but the fact that you said my wife allows me, that's not a show of weakness. That's a show of respect to your wife because she's mm -hmm. giving you that opportunity to go out and do your best and, yeah. and make things better for the culture and the profession that you swore an oath to 18 years ago upon joining it. And you know what that says volumes, uh, and uh, to the character of, of all of our wives who stand by us through thick and thin and the travel and the scheduling. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. good God. So Georgia, when I saw you up there on that flatbed, forcible entry. I was like, that guy's a God. 
I just, I loved every second of what you were teaching up there. You and little Anthony, his little legs running all up and down the yeah. training ground. It was amazing. And I love yeah. that guy. But uh, forcible entry is something that you're very passionate about. You know, we talked to Basil, you know, Rid is very, very passionate in his world and Sean's search culture as well as Pablo. And I've no doubt search is very passionate in your world, but it seems like you've got a knack for that forcible entry. And I, I want to delve into that and where that love came from. Well, I'll tell you what, when I, when we went up with, uh, up to bears of the oath with build your culture, it was well, our main thing with build your culture is to provide the most realistic training we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And, and what our main thing with Sean and with Pablo is first off, I, there's nobody in the world that can talk like Pablo talks. I wish <laughs> I had a voice like that man and hair. I know. And, and the hair, tattoos. They, oh no, no. Hey, bald. Is a stud. And you know what? Um, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but I tell you what, nobody can talk like Pablo talks. Yeah, that's true. And, and to show the true passion of, of the fire service and what it should be every in every fireman's heart yep. is what that yep. guy has. So um, their thing is when we started together, it was a search class, mm -hmm. searchable versus survivable, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, they let me jump on board with them. I, I came up to, I think we were in Lake County. Um, at the training academy up there, we put on a class. That was our very first class back in, I think, August of 19. I'm going to call and myself out because so I missed that, obviously. Yeah, it was so hot. and uh, <laughs> It's hot right now. Ugh. But uh, our main thing was, was searchable. Yeah. We're survivable. And we do a search class and we, we do VES and window lifts and carries and drags. And, you know, when we got to Bears of the Oath, we got um, put in with the truck school, you know, like yep. it was a, it was a Arthur Ashley's truck class going on with searchable versus survivable. Another legend. And yeah. Oh, for sure. And we had uh, Todd Shepard came in with the uh, forcible entry doors, the fire force doors. Awesome fucking door, by and the way. Yes. And the squad 58 guys were there. Texas represented. With, yep. With their doors. And you know what? We were like, Hey, we can't search until we get inside. Let's do a let's do a searchable or a forcible entry rotation. So I don't want to say I got stuck with forcible entry, but it just came to be that's my rotation. You know, yeah. we had Chris Kessinger came in. He helped us out with the the mask up times rotation. So that was completely unscripted. That forcible entry, and you know what? As an instructor, um, it, it I feel like. In or if I want to pride myself as a decent instructor, I don't want to say a good instructor because that's what something the students would say that I am if I am. But yeah, I think I'm a decent instructor. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in order to become a decent or a good instructor, you have to make whatever the topic is yours. Oh yeah. You don't, you, you can't bullshit your way through it because like we said earlier, before this podcast started, somebody more knowledgeable will call you out in front of the entire class and you're nothing. Mm -hmm. that's it you go from being this badass supposedly great instructor that you think you are to feeling this big in front of the entire class oh yes and you know what i, I it, i'm a master of nothing but i try you know yeah. I, I make whatever topic i'm teaching mine i'll give all the information that i know and completely brain dump it but when it comes to forceful entry i mean i do have a little bit of a passion for it i'm not as good as i wish i was there are guys out there that know 10 times more, but I'm trying, Oh yeah. you know, so yeah, yeah. I go out there, I got up on that flatbed of the squad 58, uh, um, forcible entry prop 
and brain dumped everything I have on conventional forcible entry. Yeah. You know what? Made it mine. No matter what it was, I wasn't bullshitting anybody, anything, but I was giving all information that I know. It looked incredible. I know, I know, you know, it looked fucking incredible. You were up there all day long, each day that you taught it. And it was just a constant rotation. And of course they were rotating through Sean and Pablo's section uh, throughout the day with the Mm -hmm. removal search uh, techniques and removal techniques, uh, part of the program. And then when things lit off and, and the building was on fire, it just went into a beautiful symphony of just well-orchestrated people running around in a controlled manner, breaking doors open and getting in and doing their job. And it was representative of the education you guys gave them in the morning each day to build them up to those drills in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah, skill, skill building. You go from nothing to something. So in the morning, when you start with the rotations, it's you walk before you run. Oh, yeah. You slowly build up to that. And then at the end of the day, under live fire, under as realistic conditions as we can get, I mean, we're not sitting there trying to throw, you know, live victims coming out the windows, throwing babies out the windows. But when when push comes to shove, we try to be as realistic as we possibly can with our with our training. So that's just what we strive for. Definitely. And this may sound unorthodox or maybe unconventional, but there are some things that I'm not great at teaching, but it's essential to my job. And when I do get the opportunity to teach it, I actually learn more by teaching it, interacting with the students in some cases uh, than had I not stepped out of my comfort zone and taken that opportunity to uh, actually teach the course. And it feels good good at the end of it because like man you know what you walked in unsure yourself but you gave them what you had and the mind was expanded by what they gave you in return because something i've learned teaching is that even though they're there to learn every student brings some level of experience or some level of passion or knowledge to that particular task or that particular class and it's fun to pick their brains and get them interacting with you when you're doing it Mm mm-hmm it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah, we, amazing. One thing I like to tell my new guys, and I'm sure a lot of other people tell them too, there are three steps in learning. First, the first step, you're going to listen to what I have to say, and I'm going to, I'm going to teach to you. Just yep. listen for a second. The next thing is you're going to be doing it. So in these hot classes, you listen and do it right away. Yep. The first two steps. And the last step is teach it to me, teach it back to me yep. the way that I taught it to you. Yep. And that'll instill it in my new guys. So if we're teaching new guys that first day on the job, that's doing something for us as, as seasoned guys that are out teaching these conferences. It's adding to our education. Absolutely. Well. And we're always learning. One thing I learned at Bears of the Oath, we had, um, we had uh, Joey Gangler from Side Charlie Tools mm-hmm. came in and brought his Charlie bar. I tell you what, man, I was not a believer. I didn't want to believe in it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think a extendable Halligan was anywhere useful in the fire service. Yeah. Mine's being shipped right now. That's fucking awesome. And we got to throw a shout out of them for shut up and train. We're going to be doing product reviews. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff with them. I'm going to have it personally with me. I tell you what, it, it, with mechanical advantages being the way that they are. And I always tell people mechanical advantages. So some people are like friction loss. Yeah. Just <laughs> explode <laughs> when you start talking numbers to them sometimes. So mechanical advantages for forcible entry. All I say is just know that when you're using the ads and you're using the two inch side of the ads, yeah, it's a 15 to one mechanical advantage because you have a 30 inch bar. Yep. Forcing against two inches of ads. 
30 divided by two is 15 to one. Yep, but yep. When, taking, when taking his Charlie bar and you extend it, you extend it to 48 inches. So that extends your mechanical advantage to 24 to one, which one pound of force on the, the long end, on yep. the, the end of the bar, yep. one pound of force is 24 pounds of force in the door. Oh so yeah. Being 24 to one, you're almost doubling your mechanical advantage. And I tell you what, there were a couple guys that are bears of the oath along with me. I yeah. mean, we're, we're heavy hitters. We're 300 pound plus guys. Uh, and the very first thing I said was those welds will not hold. And boy, and were I you surprised. You what, I became a believer. I used that thing all weekend on every one of my classes, every one of my forces. Yeah. Shit. It survived. It got That's the man. shit kicked out of it. And it, it did. It was ready. It was like a Timex. It was uh, taking a licking and still ticking at the end. You of know the day. what, Joey, the, the creator of that bar was sitting there, and there were times he was nervous. I could see it in his eyes. Oh, I he's get put it. A lot of money into this. Oh yeah, he was nervous, but that bar lasted, and it's never going to see that much work other than at a conference or a training class. It's not going to see that much work on a fire ground. That thing probably, that thing probably was close to. 500 or 600 forces that weekend. Wow. And that's what my Halligan would see in a lifetime. Maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You know, yep. I obviously don't count my forces, but other than training, if you were to, if you were to take a piece of equipment off an engine, any engine mm-hmm. on duty, other than training, how many times is that going to force an actual door in a fire? Well, you got to think about how many fires do we actually get in a year? when you consider yeah. the engine company and some might not see fire for two or three years, depending yeah. on the engine company, unless you take the tool out and, and train with a fire, it. What if the door could be wide open or right. unlocked or kickable. You yeah. Know? And you might not need the tool and so now it becomes a search implement. See 500 forces in realistic terms. Yeah. Um, so to see 500 forces in a weekend was incredible. What better way to put it to task than to test it in the real world, see what it's all about. And and I got to throw the shameless plug to Side Charlie Tools because while we were up in Georgia, I kept promising him we're gonna th- we're gonna do something on Instagram, and we never get that opportunity. But Side Charlie Tools, uh, the bar itself was impressive. Watching it in action and then hearing your take on it as a professional who did put it to task, that mm-hmm. reinforces the fact that there are great tools out there that people need to pay attention to. And- and this isn't a paid advertisement. No, hell no. I, mean, I paid, I paid my, my price. Like everybody else does. I bought my tools. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't ask for favors. I don't try to get things for free just to, to say people's names. I'm not, that's not how I operate. I'm a fireman like everybody else. And, I'm a paying customer, so yeah. it's on the way. I can't wait to use it. I'm going to use the hell out of it. So. I might as well buy one myself because, honestly, uh, that's the only way to have a little bit of pride and appreciation for it. When you put the money into the tool and you can say, mm-hmm. I bought this to put it to work. I, it wasn't handed to me under false pretenses that it was the greatest tool out there and it's going to be the best thing for me to use. No, well, maybe I won't appreciate it as much. If I put the money into it, then I want to make sure I do it right. Yeah, it's like buying your first car. If it's given to you, you don't take care of it. Uh, 1985 Pontiac Grand Prix Brome. That was my first car. I was given my first car and I didn't take care of it. So yeah, my kids are going to be paying for their own car. That's for sure. That's that's my wife's rule. So they're going to take care of it. Just like I'm going to take care of this. Well, let's transition to a little pride and ownership then. Let's talk about that. You know, 18 years and Mm -hmm. uh, not far ahead of you. And uh, realistically, when you look at the, the last 20 years in the fire service and the concept of pride and ownership, 
what it was when we came in versus midpoint versus now. And I, you, you'll get a, a varying lot of opinions uh, from veterans from 15 plus years of experience to new guys who are told pride and ownership exists to the middle of the road guys, you know, like us. Well, we're a little more than middle of the road, but we, we kind of understood it when we walked in in a different mindset. I, I think that pride and ownership exists, but it's not where it was when maybe you and I came into the system. I don't know. Yeah, I started, uh, I started really young. So I started at 16 and a half. I was just about turning 17 when I started the fire Academy up in New Jersey. Yeah. And, uh, being a volunteer up there, there, there weren't many rules. The only main rules I had was I had to be home by 11 PM because of the child labor laws of the state. And I can't go into a fire until I'm 18 curses. So I was running calls, riding my bike up to the station yeah. early on. Um, my dad was a fireman. I'm a fifth generation fireman. So I, I, I don't want to say I had no choice because we always have choices, but I had no choice. You didn't have a blow. choice, Ron, just accept the know. fact you didn't have a choice. I was, I've been playing on fire trucks since I was three years old. Oh. You know, I, I remember my, I was going to my dad's firehouse and just climbing on fire trucks my whole life. So yeah, it was, uh, always a dream to be, finally become a career fireman. So, um, but back then, when I started in 02 up in New Jersey, we were a very uh, pride and cultural department. Mm-hmm. Our, my department was down, was around for a long time. And a long time, I'm, I'm thinking 75 to 100 years. Yeah. My department's been around then. And uh, the guys were very into make a name for yourself. Because okay. if you don't make a name for yourself, then you're nobody. You. What, what's the point? What, why are you here? You know, yeah. If you, if you can't be here for the right reasons, we don't want you here to put the t-shirt on. Okay. You know, so do something to make yourself and our company better. Okay. So, you know, being a very, very young guy, I had a lot of mentors, a lot of guys that took me under their wing, some of that are not here no more. Mm. Um, but, uh, they'll always be missed and always be remembered for the sacrifices they made to make me better. Yeah. You know, and I move, I pay that forward to them by doing it to new guys that I have, you know, taking them under the wing like I had when I started. So um, when I finally got on the job down here in Florida in 08, I had a very new department. Okay. We, we uh, celebrated our 25-year anniversary in, I think, 2010. Wow. Yeah. So very new department. We, we were not even a generation old, as in uh, when I came in, I was replacing one of the first guys to retire in my department's history. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So we were a very young department. We still are a very young department, but okay. um, we didn't have very many set cultures or traditions. And as time goes on, mm-hmm. we're starting to get traditions. Yeah. Um, it takes time, like anything else, you know. Um, we're starting to get, this is the way so, so-and-so fire department wants to do it. Okay. We're having our own way now. Okay. So let's video it so we can train it, train on it and, and push it forward because we're going to have pride in ourselves. If we want to teach it this way, we need to be consistent with it. We need to make sure that it's what we want. We're, yeah. we're setting up our own foundation to grow from. And uh, I think when going back to pride and ownership, you can't, you can't have pride and ownership for what you do in the job unless you have a foundation to, to fall back on. Okay. 
Meaning there has to be something that you work off of to better yourself. Uh-huh. Something that, that, Hey, we need to change this because it's not working out for us. Well, that's the way it's always been. Yeah. That's the way it's always been. But has it always been right? No, we're, we're working off of that foundation yep. and we're moving forward from there because we can't be proud of something that's not working for us. You know, it mm. needs to work for us. It needs to be good for us in order for us to be proud that that's our way. Can I throw this out there? Uh, the, the statement is apply to any year range, but what is it? Uh, 120 years unimpeded by progress uh, or mm-hmm. by no progress. I, I can't remember the saying correctly, but yeah. if you're not willing to evolve over the course of your lifetime and establish your footing, your ground, that foundation. And, and I love that concept. And it's right. You know, very accurate. You've got to establish your identity as a department. And then from there, you can establish the traditions and the processes that go with it and how your culture evolves from there. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how pride Absolutely. grows, how pride grows as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what people might not realize who have been, never been to Southwest Florida, um, it is literally uh, a, a section of Florida that is flush with fire departments. I mean, you look at that whole region from basically Sarasota down and, you know, into Lee County. And then, of course, down into Collier County. And there are just so many fire departments down there and so many different in a sense cultures with each and every one of them unique fire departments down there that provide services that most departments might not provide elsewhere you know some are on islands if i'm not mistaken down by your neck of the woods it's amazing how vast the fire service is down there how flush it is but yet at the same time each department has its own identity even though they have to work together Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pride in those departments down there you see it yeah definitely see it you know um, I remember in the early days of my career, you know, one of the things that was emphasized the most was how well you keep things. So in an orderly manner, that is how clean it is, how presentable it is, demonstrates your level of, I don't want to say competence, but character. And, and also it demonstrates the fact that you, um, you appreciate something other than yourself or your personal needs, because that truck that you keep clean, the equipment that you maintain and all of those. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The engine that we keep clean. Okay. I'm sorry. The engine, the engine, put that back out there. The engine. Let me correct myself. I am an engine guy. I, you know, sometimes I have to do truck work too, but you know, it is what it is, but uh, all right. I'm sorry, Ron. Throw a little zinger in there. Father Ron, may I uh, sit a confession? Okay. I'll do that for you. Uh, So the engine we ride on, you know, what it presents to the public presents how well the department is overall so the confidence the citizens i think have in the department is representative of our appearance especially mm-hmm. our apparatus and how well our equipment works that's that they're dependent on when they call yeah. 911 oh yeah for sure they don't care the name on the side of the truck they don't care the number they don't care who's on it they, they just want to know when they call 911 and the four doors swing open or in my case three doors swing open yeah that those three guys know what the hell they're doing absolutely Absolutely. That's what they want. Because if you don't know what the hell you're doing, just like going back to teaching, you'll get called out. Yep. The worst thing in the fire service right now or, or in the last 10 years is the, uh, the invention of cell phone cameras. Oh, shit. Yes. And YouTube. And hit it hard from the yard Facebook page and yeah. stuff like that. To where if you are screwing up, you will get called out. Oh, yeah. And that's where everyone goes to is 
<clears throat> those doors swing open and a bunch of clowns come out. The first thing they video is the clowns. And the second thing they video is the name on the side of the door. Yep. And the third thing they do when they hang up is they start calling. Hey, did you see this? Did you see this? Call the chief. Don't you know that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if those doors swing open and you get a bunch of professional firemen, whether volunteer or career, professional firemen who know what the hell they're doing, that's a different story when it's video. You know, and, and to the credit of a lot of these video reels that we see that are often made fun of, um, let, let's just say there are plenty of them out there where you don't see the whole picture of what's really going on and you only see the aspect of where things go wrong. You know, or there are the blatant um, examples where, like you said, they they come off looking like a bunch of clowns out of a clown car. And guess what? It's like you're supposed to be doing a job. You're not supposed to be performing for a camera. And then you you I guess in a way it's awfully funny for two people that have social media platforms that actually put stuff up there. I I think we're both very cautious about what we put up there because we appreciate how we represent ourselves because number one, everybody knows we work for a department Two, most people know which departments we work for. And three, if we're not putting out good content or we're putting out inappropriate messaging, it's far too easy for someone to just easily pull that trigger and go after us and make things very difficult for us at the end of the day. And it's just, it's mind boggling that people and, and, and you talk about professionals and, and you're one of the few people who have ever associated volunteer and professional that I have had that specific conversation with, cause I volunteered for a long time, you know, especially in the community I lived in, in Putnam, because, well, we were the only people that you know, protected our community and, and I'm sure Jersey was no different. And if you look at the FDNY guys that live on Long Island, they volunteer for their agencies out in Long Island because they are the professionals when they're home. So it's not whether you get a paycheck or not. Remember something, what you put out there on social media has the potential to go sideways or be beneficial or potentially both, depending on the content you put out there. So be mindful of what you put out there and how you represent this profession, this craft. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Absolutely. I think it's important. But so pride and ownership, again, getting back to that. But let's transition into the messaging of now we can com- we can talk about pride and ownership. But what about messaging to these these recruits as they come through the door? Um <laughs> You see recruits probably, you know, what, two, three times a year, depending on the hiring cycle of the department, similar to ours, I would imagine. And it's funny you talk about the age of your department because our departments are almost identical age wise. You know, when you look at my department and your department and how the cultures probably align in some but don't. But when you get new people in, you know, what are your first thoughts as far as? wanting to harness their potential and getting them set up for success in your department. What do you, what do you proceed with tactic wise to get them going from day one? Well, I'm part of uh, I'm part of the training division in a way of I'm the fire training coordinator on my shift and mm-hmm. we're a relatively small department. We have only four stations, um, but we cover almost 70 square miles down here in uh, Lee County. Okay. But so new guys in my department actually aren't that rare because okay. if we hire three, that's only putting one per shift. I got it. But um, in the beginning, their first month is orientation to where it's like kind of like a mini, mini fire Academy. We put them through 
uh, a ton of different scenarios, um, vehicle extrication, VES, ground ladders, hose advancement, just everything. We've come through the ropes to make sure they're ready day one um, of their second month to be on the engine as a third guy. Okay. So instead of just throwing them on there, um, we get them ready first a little bit. So um, I actually see them very young when they're wide-eyed and all excited. They're putting the T-shirt on. and. Yep. They're, they're still getting their uniforms, you know, one week their, their helmet comes in and the next week their coat comes in and got new boots and they're getting everything already. But one of the main things that I like to tell them is again, I'm going back into it, make a name for yourself, do yeah. something, no matter what it is, people are always going to be looking at you in your entire first year. Very true. It's not what you do in front of a group of people or in front of a crew that's going to make us impressed or not. It's what you do when nobody's looking. Yep. It's, it's station duties or station duties. It's not us telling them, Hey, we want you to clean the bathrooms. It's, we want to make sure you have pride in your firehouse. Like we do. Yeah. We want, you know, if, if you don't clean well, or if you don't um, put your gear on the truck properly, or, or if you, so what if you make mistakes, because everybody's going to make mistakes. It's how you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, we can fix mistakes we can't fix character attitude or pride. That's the truth. That's truth. And you can't you know, put that in you. We no. want to make sure you have it. And if you don't have it over time, you'll get it, but nobody can put that in you. You either get it or you don't. So we want to, we want the ones that are getting it, even if they're starting out, you know? Yeah. Go ahead. And, and no, it's just, I, I reflect on that. And, and some of the, the conversations I have with other brothers out there, um, you know, for instance, Herbie and I were talking about how we correct problems, you know, in the fire service uh, last year. And that was a really good discussion, you know, as uh, as a company officer or as a senior guy, depending on the setup or dynamic of your house, it might not be an officer house because there are some departments out there that not every you know station is an officer, uh, mine included. And it, it, it's a unique situation where they have to use an officer from another station to cover them. But what do you do to manage conflict in the house? And, and that's one thing to think about. How are we preparing them to manage conflict? Conflict happens in the fire service every day. How are we preparing them to at least understand the importance of the job itself and appreciate what's been given to them as a gift? And where are we lacking in our assessment as the senior guys when they walk through the door without prejudging them because they're that new kid, that new millennial that we seem to throw that term out there often. Oh, I'm frustrated because they're a 20 something or a millennial. Well, fuck, we were those 20 somethings one day, not too long ago in our career. And Mm -hmm. you know what? They were saying something similar about us too. So how quickly are we able to just dismiss the character and potentially create a negative uh, impact on the on the new guy, and we lose the opportunity to harness that potential instead. I think, to me, we do it often. You know, I it's sad that we have a lot of people out there that just rather not deal with the kid than take the moment to sit down and get to know the kid instead of prejudging them and determining because they're twenty something, they're 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 useless. Every kid has potential. Every kid yeah. has potential. Mm-hmm. But. For sure. At the same time, there are those kids, and I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, brother, that you, you have to be honest and reflective with. And, you, and there's moments where you have to say maybe after the, the period you've had to assess them, that's not the job for them as well. 
I keep hearing that too coming up more and more lately too. It's like we're starting to realize it's okay to constructively correct people. But at the same time, are we doing it the right way? Are we just hitting them hard with negativity or are we assessing, correcting and looking for improvement and maybe we're not getting it. We have to readdress it a different way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I, uh, I don't think going back a little bit and what you were just saying, I don't think the failure is um, I don't think it should be relied in or it should be uh, accounted for entirely by the new guy. Yeah. New guy making, making uh, mistakes is part of being a new guy. They're going to make mistakes. I think the failure comes in at the junior and senior guys just giving up on them. Yeah. Uh, maybe this isn't the job for him. Uh, that's kind of the lazy way out. It, um, you can't, you can't sit there. Not you. I'm not saying you can't. No, I know you're not. I know. A fireman can't sit here and say, maybe this isn't the job for him unless they've gone through every single uh, way of training everything and he's just not getting it. Yeah. Like, if you've done everything you can to try to mentor this guy, everything possible, even change, change stations, change crews, try to get the, see if we can drill it into his head. Mm-hmm. Unless you've done every single thing you can, then you unfortunately have to give up and just, we've done everything we can. You can't just like throw it out there you know, you told the guy one time to uh, sweep the floors before he leaves in the morning. Yeah. And then one time he forgets to sweep the floors and just give up on them. You know, no, you've got to, you've got to run them through it over and over and over repetitive motion. And that that's kind of the way we like to train, right? Yeah. Sets and reps. Yeah. Even if it's something as, as very silly as station duties, because of, like I said, they have to get done, but that's the foundation that those new guys are building. And that's the only thing that they have to go back to as a non-fire related activity is if they can't get that right, how are we supposed to get them to do life-saving activities? Right. Oh, amen. Amen. So you have to go from the station duties and, and the minor stuff and build up from there, their knowledge and their vocabulary, if you will. Um, to get them to the stressful situations and being able to um, rely on, like as an officer, being able to rely on them as go do this. It's a life or death situation, but I know you can make the right decision to get yourself through it. Um, I need this done now. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to build on something. So that's the foundation is the station. Like, oh, I thought I had a little one coming. Ah, little ones are always welcome. Yeah, I thought I did. No, I guess not. Ah, little ones are always well. I got a Brutus. I got my uh, pit bull in here. He's been nosing around in my kid's room, the stu- the studio slash bedroom. Okay, you know it's a shared room, and and he's been nosing around. You know, because Kelly always leaves something behind, and it's like, okay, Brutus is gonna find it. I'm like throwing stuff at him. Stop! You're making noise. But okay, back to where you were at. Yep, that's I a forgot fin- where I was at. I'm no, no, you way. you were talking about how assessing, and and let me tell you something. Assessing matters, but. You got to have a couple of things as well. You've got to have discipline and Pablo loves discipline and Pablo and Sean and everybody who talks about the fact that discipline matters is right. But you know what else you need to have is patience because if you don't have patience, you know, what's very easy to do when problems occur or something happens, the knee jerk reaction to resolving what you think is a resolve for the problem. And instead of fixing it, that knee jerk 
um, failure to assess the entire situation uh, reaction turns into a very big uh, problem in the firehouse because now you're going to get labeled as the person that doesn't think about what the action should be as or the reaction should be to the action you're the guy known as shoot from the hip oh if something goes wrong it's going to be it's that fucking guy's fault or is that fucking it, this stupid idiot no that guy's not a stupid idiot he made a mistake his fault yay oh i like that you did the cry yeah exactly so wait a minute isn't that like an onus thing on the company officer as much as it is imparting that onus or that accountability con uh, that concept on the new people walking through the doors and that part of developing yeah. and mentoring as well mm -hmm. yeah i Absolutely. mean it makes sense doesn't it mm -hmm. so why aren't we doing that enough then why are we so quick to prejudge predispose and obviously because it's easier than actually tackling the problem. Yeah. And there's a lack of discipline there because mm -hmm. if you want to just go, you're disciplined in one way, but not the right way. It's okay to respond this way instead of saying, you know what? I'm not perfect. And I know this person's not perfect, but I've been tasked with a responsibility to manage and care for them while they're under my watch. And you know what? I'm going to help them. I'm going to guide them. I'm going to give them the best level of, uh, you know, constructive uh, remedy uh or you know constructive criticism or just a way to find a path to achieving a better overall ending for them but if you're not willing to invest that time again why why would you bother these new guys deserve that they really truly do deserve that yeah so yeah. where you're at now 18 years in your career you've advanced into a, a higher level of leadership and you've noticed there's a difference there in a sense because you were used to one way of doing things and now your your reach has expanded your 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 leadership prowess i guess you would say or what you purview what you see is expanded and so now you have to think i guess you would say in a broader sense on problem solving you have to look at different ways of approaching things now because you're not necessarily in the line you're now more in the upper echelon so how is that how has that fared with you well, um, I always take it, no matter where I move up into the fire service, as a uh, um, an educational, I guess, um, a learning experience. Yeah. You know, something to learn. Uh, there's always something. Um, when I was an acting officer, a move-up officer, um, it was always like, wow, the officer does a lot more in his daily, you know, day-to-day -day than I thought. Yeah. And as an acting officer, you just move up one day here, one day there, just kind of fill in when needed. So you didn't, I didn't at that time as an acting, didn't see what an officer was truly about, even sure. though I thought I did, sure. you know, um, the grass is always greener, I guess, until you become a captain and you become a company officer. And it's like, oh, you know, there is a lot more going on. I have to worry about non-frequent activities yeah. that are, are brought in you know, hydrant maintenance gear inspections um making sure the uh the, the engineers are writing up problems with the truck oh yeah um any personnel matters any discipline as an acting officer you don't you don't do discipline unless you have to unfortunately write somebody up yeah but now as a captain i mean i can be brought into the chief's office hey i need you on an, an investigation as a, a like an outside neutral party sure of this investigation or you know some kind of personnel hey keep an eye out for this guy he's kind of 
been having issues at home and yep. You know, very down low, low key. Nobody knows about stuff really happens when you're actually an officer versus a move up officer. And it's kind of like, wow, I'm learning. I'm, I'm becoming, I'm moving into a position that can uh, potentially move me forward as a chief one day, yeah. knowing that this stuff happens, yep. you know? Yep. Um, hey, when you go to that conference, we know there's going to be a vendor there. I want you to get a bunch of information from that vendor mm-hmm. and talk to them about coming down here and checking us out. Oh, yeah. Little stuff like that, you know, like going to FDIC, hey, go get this guy's business card and, and make a contact with a, um, a Homatro wrapper or, or sure. whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's a little different and I'm starting to move up into, um, move up higher than a captain's position right now. Yeah. I'm starting to become an acting chief, but, uh, it's a learning experience for sure. Because what happens in that office of a battalion chief, which is, you know, uh, in charge of four stations in my department, mm-hmm. There is a lot of, a lot of difference in there. Now you're working into, you know, your QA and reports, you're making sure staffing is done and time cards are done and stuff that I never even thought of as a captain. Yeah. I would sit in my firehouse with my crew drinking a, you know, a cup of coffee having, by the way, I have to bring up. Go um, ahead. Notice the two cups. I, yes, um, I do. I didn't know if this was a coffee or a whiskey situation. So I brought both kind of sipping both, you know? So Um, I feel guilty because the kids brought me sweet tea and I'm like, damn, now I need to go pour some, you know, catch fire into some Coke and like make that happen. But it's always, no, I'm kind of sipping both. No, no, listen, it's coffee talk, which is always welcomed or it's whiskey talk. It doesn't matter to me. Okay. I can go either way with this conversation. Trust me. We're good. Awesome. Always welcome. Um, So, so moving up into the the life of, somewhat of a chief, a half-assed chief, if you will. Okay. Okay. Um, there are things that happen on the other side of that office door that I never even knew happened on the other side of that office door. And again, I'm learning as I move into that role. Yeah. But, uh, oh, Jesus, excuse me. Ah, you're good. Um, so I just like to take things as a learning experience and try to keep a, a positive attitude. Um, when guys are asking me how it's going, there's never an inkling in my mind to tell them it sucks. <laughs> Yeah. Even if it sucks. Yeah. It's good. There's a lot of things that happen on the other side of that door that you guys don't know about. And no one's ever told me this. So, so I feel it's kind of my job to, Hey, that's, that's serious. There's heavy hitting stuff on the other side of that door that you guys not, might not want to know about, but I'm here to tell you I'm learning. Yep. Holy crap. There's some stuff over there, you know? Oh God, I do. And, yeah. and go ahead, finish that thought. And just making it into that transition is really exciting for me. Uh, I love it so far. Even if like it sucked, I, I would tell you I love it so far. Sure. Uh, but no, I truly do. I like seeing what's on the other side. I like uh, managing my guy. I miss my guys. Let me tell you, my my guys at old engine 61, rescue 61, I still go and eat dinner with them. I Hell still, yeah. we get off an hour, battalion chiefs get off an hour early. So okay. any day that I'm acting, I stop by the firehouse, have a morning cup of coffee with them before they go home yeah. at eight. Um. I have to do that. I have to have some kind of feel with my guys because you know what? They're doing a kick-ass job up at that house. I'm stationed at a different house right now. And uh, I hear them on the radio all the time. I got a little grin on my face wishing I was there, but I know they're fine without me. I've, I've trained them. I, I've trained the, the move up captain uh, into his role. I mentored him and uh, they're doing, they're doing a jam up job without me. So shoot, 
you know? Yeah. So you brought up something interesting and it's worth mentioning. People don't realize that when you become a lieutenant, a vetted lieutenant, you get the bugle on your collar. You become a part of the human resource club, essentially. You're you're at the yeah. lowest level of the human resource management chain. Okay. Yep. So now yep. they get to you you get tested in ways that you would never normally have been tested as a as a, a Jake in the backseat or a driver of the of the of the engine. Notice I didn't say truck. Engine. There we okay, go. Okay. Vocab guidelines say yeah. we don't talk truck, yeah. we talk engine. Okay. Hose draggers. Hose gotcha. knuckle grinding hose draggers, yeah. thank you. And yeah. you know, it was interesting because you're now in the world where you have the ability to actually write evaluations on people and give your opinions based on your observations and your impose your well, I say impose, it's a strong word, but you get to share your thoughts with, you know, how you view them in a good way and, and maybe a not so good way, but you also get to impart ideas and, and, and encouragement to better themselves as well. Get a lot of latitude to do that. And you've got to do it very cautiously and very respectfully, because when you evaluate somebody, people, people who pencil whip an evaluation drive nuts because that goes in their personnel file. It's there for life. And if you're going to be a company officer and you're evaluating your crew, you better take the initiative to know your crew and praise them and recognize what they do because threes across the board is not okay. You need to take the time to evaluate them with sincerity. And that's something else I I feel not enough is done of. And then on top of that, you're not just with these crew members, but you're managing their lives in a sense, because for 24 hours, every third day, they are your family in that home. And you are dad or mom, depending on the circumstances. And that crew looks to you. And what's that? It's a new fire service. We got to be both. My pleasure. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, Chick-fil-A moment there. Uh, You're right. uh, Both. And so we have to think about the fact that their lives impact their performance. And if there's something going on outside of the firehouse, it comes in the firehouse, no matter if we don't want it to or not. You know, I, I've said it before, try to leave your problems at the door. We have a job to do for 24 hours. It's your, it's your obligation to show up ready to go. But even I fail it in my own light. And I realize what I had to start saying was, but if you can't, Tell me what's going on, put it on my shoulders and and let's work a solution or get you to the resources that can help you. And then on top of that, personalities. So where do we go from there? Because it's a hodgepodge, once again, of people within that home, whether it's a a three-person crew, a two-person crew, a floating house where you have multiple people coming through that house. Um, You know, you've got to deal with personalities and again, human resource management you got to learn people in order to help people and if you're not willing to do that that's that's a very very difficult task you're taking on uh by becoming an officer and then you get to that next stage in that middle management stage and like you said everything changes at the next level it's a new ball game you're in the clubhouse now and you're you're looking at a whole new world and a whole new realm of responsibilities and obligations that have been compounded on top of the obligations you had at the company officer level and you've got to figure it all out from there as well so there's the middle of the road of human management resource and again it it almost takes in some cases i feel like a phd some days to figure out how to get things done. And in reality, it's, it's, it's simple. It's called common sense and just listening 
and 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 taking it in and appreciating the person who is on that crew with you and giving them a little bit of encouragement and supporting them. I think that makes a tremendous difference in crew integrity, uh, crew morale, and even the culture in your firehouse as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I look at the potential of stepping up to another level, I think about where is that going to take me and how am I going to be? And you brought up a good point. Middle of the road or half-ass, I hate to use the term half-ass, but would you take a promotion you're going to be mediocre right off the get-go because you're not ready for that promotion in a sense. Sure, you took the test. Maybe you were promoted to be based on your, your scores. Mm-hmm. But were you ready to take that position? Because you don't even know what that position is yet. So you can't be great at it until you take the time to learn it and yeah. perfect it for your benefit to benefit them. Because it's it is for level. them. You know, for your crews. Right. Do you feel like that's been a task at hand for you? I mean, yeah, a little bit. A little bit, just just knowing to, to have my mind frame going of, oh, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, isn't going to work for me. No. I have to constantly make sure I know that everything I do is a learning experience because I'm not in any habits yet. I haven't done it repetitive enough for it to be a habit. So constantly write, writing things down and making lists and don't forget the time cards. Don't forget the staffing for next shift and make sure that the training gets done and logged and oh yeah, this and this, and this. I got to write everything down. I got notes all over my desk at times, but as long as I can manage them and, and, and get everything going for the day, then hopefully things will fall into place. If not, then if call volume takes over, then We'll get through it, you know. I I envision you have a hoarder's desk, like I would potentially a have. Bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it would yep. be sticky notes, and it would be pads of paper, you know, with three or four pages, and then another pad, mm-hmm. you know, on the other side of the desk with another three or four pages. Like, okay, where the fuck did this go? Oh, where, yeah. wait, wait, where's that note okay. from the other day? One pad for the desk, and then another pad to bring on rounds with me, so I can write notes while I'm on rounds. And yeah, it's. Something. And yet here we have this wonderful technology. You can't yeah. see it in the screen because the blue yeah. screen kicks in, but this or the green screen rather, but this phone right here can take all the notes you want, but we still yeah. don't use it. You know, yeah, our kids do. Enough. No, I can't see it. No, I know. I know. I so I got to get back to archaic pen and paper, which is how we were raised to write notes. Yes. We weren't raised to use a phone. So we got to take technology and move it out and go old school just to be organized. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. crazy. But you know, it's it's amazing when you get through that first six months, that first year as a new officer, whatever role you're in, and I'll speak for myself as lieutenant, and you look back and you realize, I'm sorry is not a bad word, um, and I'll be just point blank. Uh, I think I've said I'm sorry more as an officer than I've ever said before, because sometimes it's better just to say, you know what, chief, boss, I'm sorry. It is what it is. But at the same time, it also demonstrates you have the ability to step out and, and have some character and some, some cojones to do what you got to do when it calls for it. So I'm sorry is not necessarily a bad word. Another thing, reflect on your humility, you know, reflect on your humility, reflect on your accomplishments, but fuck your accomplishments for a second. If your crew doesn't accomplish anything because you failed them, then what accomplishments are you going to have as a company officer at the end of the day? Amen. You know, it's a lot Mm -hmm. to think about. So when you get through that first year and you look back, I hope every new officer or someone who's currently in a role as an officer and looking to move up, the next step they take, 
take advantage of that year, that first year, and, and reflect upon it 365 days later and say, what was done in that 365 days? And then when you do that, those mental notes set up the next 365 days to reflect on that and see where you are at year two and year three and how well you've done for yourself, for your department, for your crew, because that is how I think we grow. I think that's how we're able to expand our own abilities as well as those around us and help build them up. We can reflect on those accomplishments to say, well, this happened. We can build on that and make it successful for the next group coming in as well. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing when we get to do that. But so Suat, we've got a lot coming up this year and I'm trying to get yeah. you up to my neck of the woods and yeah. I'm, it's going to happen. You're coming up to me. It's going to happen. We'll, oh, I we'll, appreciate it, man. We'll even have you in the studio. We'll, we'll do another show oh, then. But, nice. it's but a I'm telling you, right, we'll make it work, buddy. But <laughs> what exactly do you have on tap coming up here soon? I want to well, know. I mean, we don't have uh, much scheduled right now. Um, you know, going back, we were talking a little bit about forcible entry, but my true passion is hose line management. Oh, good and, conversation. Uh, and and pumping. Yeah, this is a whole this is a whole podcast in itself, but Okay. That's where that's where my heart is. When I became the engineer in in, uh, in my station, I kind of took it and ran. Yeah. And uh we were working again going back to being a new newer department, a, a baby department if you will. We were so young. We were running with hose loads on our truck and this is always a a big, big battle in the fire service lately is what hose loads you run in, what friction loss, what pressures you run in, what this, how do you know, is yeah. it theoretical or actual? So what we do with shut up and train is um, when I became an engineer, um, I did a three year hose study for what we have and what we could have. Okay. Um, it took a little while to really, really, really try and like the hose load we had. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a reason it's on the truck, right? Somebody at some point liked it and thought it worked. Um, that was when we were working with, uh, hose beds off the rear of the engines. Mm -hmm. And then over time we started moving into trucks that had, I'm sorry, engines that had. Oh, you did it. I, and you know what? I, I was just going to be a gentleman. Time. Hey, rigs. I like to use the term rigs. Okay. It's an engine rig. or a rig. All right. All right. We're putting a into rig policy. Is anything. A yeah. rig can be a truck, a rescue, an engine, anything. Sure. A rig is anything. But an engine is an engine. Engine's an engine. A All truck's right. a truck. A rig is anything. So we started moving into engines with cross lays and we threw a hose load that worked well on the back of engines. Yeah. And put it in a cross lay and it's not working well for us. So okay. um, I really wanted to like it. But I was young in the department. So when I became an engineer, I kind of put it in my mind that I'm going to do what I can to change it. Hopefully if I can. So we did a study for a couple of years. Um, anyway, now we have different hose loads. Okay. We have new hose. Yeah. We have new nozzles and we have everything flow tested and charts made so that the engineer doesn't have to run around with a grease pencil, marking everything, all his math on the door and uh, figuring it out. And God forbid, if something smears, we're going to lose everything. And you had me at flow chart. I'm just going to say that charts. right now. You we had me at flow, flow chart. chart. I don't have one here. Ah, we have flow charts. Does that pretty so, colors um, on it? Because pretty colors make a difference are, for firefighters. It depends on if your hose is pretty colors though. That's oh, it, how yeah, I do it. that's I do true. It based on the color of your hose. I dig it. I dig it. So mine have pretty colors on them. 
Some don't. It's okay. Either way, uh, I come out. Uh, I got flow meters. I got gauges. I got pedo gauges. We flow test all your attack packages. We do all. The, we do flow testing. Oh yeah. So that comes into coming up to see you, sir. Yeah. Yes, Jersey. Chicago hears you. Okay. I hear <laughs> you. It's good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We're you, good. You're coming, Jersey. I I'm promised coming, you this. Man. I. I listen. If I make a promise, the promise is going to come through. It might take six months to three months to a year, but the promise will be fulfilled. Okay. We got this. We this, got this. We'll make it happen. On the day of my daughter's wedding, I promise you, Luca Brazzi, it'll happen. <laughs> All right. I promise so, you. Coming up, I'm going to flow test your engine. We're going to see the whole, the whole science behind theoretical, um, math problems versus what it actually flows. We prefer what it actually flows off of your engine Yep. with your hose, with your nozzles. Let's do it. Mind blown uh, moment here uh, because pump ops is a phenomenal class. And what people don't realize is it's more involved and yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, you've got the math part, which is not my bag. I've got a great instructor who teaches the math like no other and and mm -hmm. puts them to task. But little things like, hey, did you know that one cross lay could have more friction loss than the other cross lay because of the way the pipe is bent, turned and or twisted? And that makes a difference. So you might have to pump it at a different, you know, PSI versus I'm like mind blown. They're side by mm -hmm. side on the truck. Boy, don't mm -hmm. I sound foolish. But no, it's little things like that. People don't realize. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so yeah. it, it's a love Anybody that has a cross lay that has one of those, the pipe coming out of the bottom of the cross lay that swivel, the swivel. Yeah. That's a chick sand swivel. That's 10 PSI friction loss right there. Is it really? I did not know that. Holy crap. See something new. I have the 10 PSI on chick sand swivels. So what about the new hose trays uh, on the customs uh, where the hoses mount and say you have a puck pump on it. Can that make a difference in the friction loss from where the host sits versus uh, in the middle of the of the truck versus the top of the truck? Does that play a factor in anything in particular? Well, I want to say yes, because no matter what you change or what you move, there's always some kind of reaction. Okay. So um, it's just a matter of, is it one PSI, which is no big deal, or is it eight PSI or 10 PSI? Which kind of makes a difference. Um, sometimes it all depends on the plumbing. I mean, if you got a straight pipe coming out of the top of the pump going two feet and then there's your cross leg, you're good. Yeah. If it has to go to the top cross leg and it has to go up sideways, up sideways, down, you're going to have more friction. Loss in there. Dear God almighty. Everything somehow is going to pay into what your pressure is. Well, and so the theoretical hose formulas that at least the state of Florida came up with, is the most generic way to get every single person who's testing to become a pop, pump operator on the same equation. Yeah. Because chick sand swivels matter, plumbing matters, friction loss, and every single manufacturer and every model of hose has a different friction loss. Oh, Nozzles yeah. matter, everything. Everything matters. And if you're not sure of it, go to the website of the hose manufacturer and the odds are they've got a friction loss uh, program on or app on their website that you can access to find out yes. for, for, for the hose. Yes. That doesn't pay into account your pump or plumbing. Not at all. Or the nozzle you use. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or the nozzle, because that makes a difference. I've got, 
I've got two, just like you said, the two cross lays could be right next to each other. One's flowing at 110, one's flowing at 90. Yeah. Same hose uh, diameter, same manufacturer, same model, same nozzles, everything. Everything plays into everything. So when you have a formula, the person that is the the, the engineer that's on the, the side of the truck with the grease pencil is going to flow those two lines at exactly the same. But when I come out with my, my flow meter, my gauges, my pedo gauge, everything, I'll show you this one's 90 and this one's 110. Well, yeah. why? Because that's the plumbing. It's the something's changed. I don't know what's changed. All I can tell you is the pressure coming out of the left line is less than the pressure coming out of the right line. You know, because my gauges said so. You it, know? It's like Bubba Smith in Police Academy. Uh, that'll be $98 as soon as he pulled up and he goes, $98. And here comes Mahoney. What's wrong here? He's charging me $98 for this cab ride. What's the meter say? 98. That's a lying meter as soon as he shook it up. And guess what? It wasn't $98 no more because it was a lying meter. But the you know what doesn't lie? The pito gauge and all okay. the inline flow, ga- uh, flow gauges. Those don't lie. Nope. Those don't lie. We're not using the generic formulas. We're not using the guessing, the math that might go wrong. We're using, hey, we put all these gauges on here and this is what it actually flows. A lot to think Float about. Float at this because that's what it needs. Uh, I got one question for you before we close this out. Who wears that's it better, it. smooth bore or fog nozzle? I am always a smooth bore. Oh, poor guy. Oh, look at that. Oh, fog God. Their place, but smooth bores are always going to be the traditional fire nozzle of fire service. Oh, and it's smooth bore for the win, everybody. And yes, I'll tell sir. you. God bless you, man. Well, listen, Brother Ron Givens, Suat, Shut Up and Train, a part of yeah, the uh, Build Your Culture cadre with Sean, Pablo, Anthony, and the gentleman you mentioned with the other fantastic fire company. Throw his name out there one more time. Who was the last gentleman you mentioned that I missed from the beginning of the show? Because I feel like a total jerk right now. You Bob mentioned Woodhead. Bob there Woodhead you go. Shut Up and Train, yeah. Well, you know, we got we to gotta give him props, too. So... Thanks for coming on tonight, man. I feel hey, like we're gonna uh, have to come back. We'll, when we get in the studio, we'll uh, figure something out. The studio. We'll talk, we'll talk friction loss slash bedroom slash yep. um, Florida room. Okay, so it's All right. three quarters to make a full or whatever. I don't know. Uh, the math was yeah, never my thing. Yeah. We're talking pumps and friction loss and shit. Anyway, thanks for coming on tonight, brother. It's uh, it's been Thank an absolute pleasure me. to have you and shoot the shit for the last forty five minutes, man. Yeah, man. All right. Well, with that being said. Be sure to check out Shut Up and Train, S-U-A-T, Suat. I love that name. They're out there on social media. They're everywhere. Throw that website out there one more time, Ron. Swatfire.com, S-U-A-T-F-I-R-E.com. Outstanding. All right, brothers and sisters, as always, keep your head on a swivel. Look out for each other. You are your brothers and sisters keeper. And don't forget the light at the end of the tunnel. I keep saying this because I want to reinforce the fact that we are definitely moving one giant step closer every day to trying to achieve some normalcy back in our lives. So take this opportunity to better yourself and get re-engaged with the fire service. I know a lot of you might've struggled with that in the last year. So here's your opportunity. Anyway, with that, we will see you on the flip side. Cheers. You just survived 30 minutes of online training with the can man radio show. Did you remember to train your probie today? The Can Man knows he knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams.